Hello, true crime lovers, and welcome back to another episode of Dimes of Crime. And yes, we are still here. My name is Haley. And I'm Richa. And we will be the hosts of today's episode and every episode. Yep. So for starters, what are you drinking, Haley? I am drinking a good old Corona. I am drinking water because it is... 1025. Yes, I know. Before everyone tells me that this is my second <laughs> week in a row that I'm drinking water, just going to bed partly buzzed or drunk is like not the best feeling as a mom because then all of those like alcohol sugars just stay there in your system and you wake up all like woozy. So, yeah, you know, if you want me to drink alcohol, Either tell Haley to move into my time zone or pay me enough to move to Hawaii. One of those two has to happen. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, anyways, without further ado, because we're not going to keep Richa up too long. Uh, disclaimers apply like they always do. We are talking about true crime here, so... There may be incidences, not necessarily in this story, but some of our stories of sexual assault, gore, you know, true crime things. So with that said, listen with your headphones on. Be weary of the people around you. I am right now talking about this true crime case with my husband in the room who absolutely hates true crime, (laughs) but that is his choice to be here. So, Hey, he liked the clown story. (laughs) He did like the clown story. (laughs) He was into it. Did you see that... um, the murder with my husband or here that murder with my husband podcast like covered that story for like five minutes in her clown demic episode oh i did listen to that episode but i probably missed that part because i was like all the clowns was, in the street like, and i was remembering there was a clown at the shops of wailea and i was so scared to leave the bar that i had the bouncer walk me into my car and <gasps> everybody made fun of me but i had saw a clown walking around with a chainsaw in the shops oh my god! i was like some yeah, of those stories were insane about clowns, but at the very end of the episode, she mentions the the um, the clown story that we did, which if you guys haven't heard it, you should stop this episode and go listen to our <laughs> second to last episode. Go shameless to plug. Episodes. <laughs> yeah. Shameless <laughs> plug for our own episode in our own episode. Okay. <laughs> no shame. It here. was a good one. It was a good one. That one and the Kari Farver one. Those ones are just like absolutely bad shit crazy. I, Yeah. The Kari Farber one just absolutely like mind boggles me. I can listen to that story over and over again because that's how crazy it is. Every time someone tells it to me or I listen to it again, I'm just like, how is this real? <laughs> You're like still <laughs> as shocked as you were the first time you heard the story. Every single time. I'm just like, wow, this 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 shit really happened. Anyways, going right into it. I'm excited about this week's story. Haley gave me a little sneak peek. She said it's a serial killer. And I'm not saying that serial killers excite me like in a in like a very weird kind of way. Just like I'm excited to hear the story because it's potentially one that I haven't heard before. Yeah. So today's story is going to be about a woman named Daisy D. Melker, who is living in South Africa, basically, as we know it today. So. Sometimes when you hear a true crime story, you cannot help but wonder why the killer was not caught earlier. How did everyone miss the obvious pattern of actions and evidence that screams something was not right? But the thing is, it can be difficult to believe the worst of an individual who appears to be a totally normal, 
just like everyone else without any telltale signs of a deprived person. Daisy D. Melker was a loving wife and devoted mother who people felt sorry for due to a series of tragedies in her life, not realizing some of these misfortunes were her handiwork. Oh, what a preview. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. I got chills. Woohoo. Okay. Daisy Hancorn Smith was born in Seven Fountains, Cape Colony, the ar- area we know today as Republic of South Africa. The year was 1886, the very same year when Johannesburg was found following the Witwatersrand Gold Rush. While Daisy's parents, William and Fanny Hancorn Smith, were not exactly poor, Seven Fountains didn't have much to offer, being a minuscule and undeveloped village without electricity or hot running water. Hmm. Still, for many living in the colony, Seven Fountains was a place they never left. If you were born here... It was likely you died there, too. That, however, changed when William Hancorn Smith began to wonder if life would be better somewhere else. Oh. So Daisy grew up as the middle child with six sisters and four brothers. She was described as a bright and friendly child with blue Wait, eyes. And- did you say they were a family of 10 kids? Mm-hmm. Six sisters and wow. four brothers. That is- Which I feel like is really normal in like the 1800s. Oh, I guess that's true. This is kind of like the older times. Right. Fair. Yeah. Um, so she had, she was friendly. People would describe her blue eyes and unimaginably dark wavy hair. Around the time of her eighth birthday, Daisy's father began to talk about going north. At the time, that usually meant traveling to Johannesburg on the hunt for gold. But William has something else in mind. With two of Daisy's older brothers, he packed up and headed to Rhodesia, the region that is today known as Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. William had heard that up there, pieces of land were given to Britons almost free, and he wanted to take this chance to prosper. For some reason, when I saw the word Britons, I was like, Bitcoin, (laughs) because it looks the same. Uh, oh, we can tell what's been on Haley's mind. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's also weird that this story is in South Africa. Like that's, it's in South Africa and it's in the 1800s. So this is a really weird tangent. But when I Googled like international female serial killers when we first started this episode, I'm not sure if this name came up. So you must have really dug deep in the archives for this. So, like, I'm on forums on Facebook and stuff, and I have my, like, true crime forums, and I was like, give me names of women murderers or women who committed crimes that don't involve children, and then this one came up. Oh. So, I was like, okay, I actually never heard of this, and so I looked a little closer, and I was like, yeah, I think I want to do that one. Um, whether or not children were involved is a different story, so. Yeah. Side note, I feel like we should do us tiny like little introduction of why we picked the episode that we did like in each of our episodes like how did we come about the story and what intrigued us about it yeah i'm down to do that um yeah also i have traveled to south africa so i'm familiar with a lot of these places that they're talking about and it is kind of crazy to like see that they were different names and what that region is now versus what it was in the 1800s 
that's right. I was going to mention that you've been to South Africa. Is That's where you got engaged, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that must be cool. I st- it's still on my, one of my bucket list things to do. What Drew is too. Like, we want to go to South Africa and visit. Or at least do like a safari or something somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely worth it. Uh, when you guys go, we want to go again. But it's kind of one of those ones you want to wait till the boys are older so they remember. That's what Drew said. He's like, we should wait till Leo's older so he can really enjoy it. Yeah. Like, really enjoy the animals. Anyways, okay, going back to the story. Over the next two years, William and his sons likely wrote about their life in Rhodesia. Two people back in seven fountains painting a rosy picture of the new colony because in 1986, several families followed them up north. Among those people was 10-year-old Daisy. We don't know for sure why a girl of her age was separated from her mother, but one theory is that because the tension between the British and Boer republics was rising and there was even talk of war. It was described Daisy would be safer with her father and brothers. It Mm. has also been speculated that soon after her husband's departure, Fanny also left the family, remarried in Port Elizabeth and passed away shortly after that. Oh, interesting. But whatever the real motive behind Daisy's move was, there was no further records of Fanny Hancorn Smith after this point. Which is the mother. It took 10-year-old seven days to reach Rhodesian town of Balloway by train. And I hope I'm saying these right. Daisy had no problems settling down on her father's new farm. She attended school for the farm children and was soon joined by two of her older sisters. Life in Rhodesia was quite comfortable. But three years later, it was time for Daisy to pack her bags once again and become a boarder at the Good Hope seminary school in cape town at the age of 17 daisy briefly returned to balaweo before continuing her journey to durban to pursue her dream of becoming a nurse daisy spent three years yeah (laughs) yep daisy spent three years at the barra nursing home during that time (gasps) i know the story it just clicked (laughs) for me (laughs) I, I just realized what the story is about. Never mind. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's just like Sorry, a Sorry, but bulb. I do it. <laughs> <laughs> she made regular trips to Rhodesia for holidays and happened to meet a young and quite well-off man named Brett Fuller. The two quickly fell in love and began to talk about getting married in March of 1907. But in the end, the date was postponed because Daisy wanted to finish her nursing training before settling down. At the time, wives usually stayed at home and only worked if money was in short supply. But Daisy explained to her fiancé that she wanted to experience what it was like to be a nurse for even just a little while before becoming a housewife. Brett didn't seem to have anything against it, and so Daisy enrolled at the nursing school of a hospital in town, Booksburg, close to Johannesburg. And I actually don't think it's Brett. I think it's Bert. So, sorry, Bert. Yeah, <laughs> but it's B-E-R-T, so Bert. Shortly after her arrival, Daisy received warring news from Rhodesia. Bert was terribly ill. Without hesitation, Daisy rushed back home to be there for her fiancé, who was pros- prostrate in bed with a high fever, witnessing her husband to be lying there shivering Mm. and mumbling nonsense without recognizing those around him for half the time and producing black urine, 
must have been traumatizing for Daisy. Oof. So, so he had prostate cancer? Sick. Is that what he had? Uh, He's like shivering and mumbling nonsense. And then he's also has black urine. And so they're thinking maybe something with his prostate. And he also has a high fever. Mm. But he does get diagnosed with something. It was believed Brett suffered from a complication of malaria infection called black water fever. Ooh. Which has been caused by the fact that a civil servant, he was given free doses of quinine while quinine was used as a preventative against malaria, which we have talked about before. It mm-hmm. actually triggered, triggered an autoimmune reaction in some people once it reached a parasites in the red blood cells it appeared brett had just been incredibly unlucky and all the efforts to save his life were in vain around the time so he basically had super malaria like he got the malaria vaccine and then also got malaria and then it like created this like super dose of malaria which is super rare but that is very lucky i had malaria and i had quinine so yeah Around the time Daisy was supposed to be wearing her wedding dress, she was instead dressed in black for her fiancé's funeral. Luckily for Daisy, Brett has signed a will just in a few days before his old timely death, which was $100 euro to his fiancé, equivalent in purchasing power to about 13,000 euro today, which euro to U.S. dollars is just a little bit less than today's money. So it's Hmm. probably like 12,000 something. Daisy may have experienced a terrible loss, but at least she now had enough money to stay off work while for a while to mourn. Eventually, when the time was right, Daisy returned to Cape Colony and started to work as a nurse at Johannesburg Hospital. She was said to be an exceptionally caring person with a special talent for comforting women grieving at the bedside of their dying husbands. Because she had two grieved at the bedside of her dying husband sometime in 1908 is this gonna be one of those things where she killed her husband and that's what we find out later like that was like her first tragedy tragedy i'm not sure about brett with brett it's kind of like he could have been her first victim or was it like she witnessed him dying such a a scary death and that was her love so she was like fuck love you know we don't know yeah okay and it's the 1800s so it's kind of hard to like you know say for sure yeah okay sometime in 1908 at the end the age of 22 daisy met a plumber named william alfred alf cowley a man 14 years her senior thanks to his salary of seven dollars seven euros and two shillings a week which was almost doubled compared to what the average worker earned back then alf was considered quite a catch so daisy definitely wasn't going to say no when he proposed on christmas day of 1908 seven euros and 19 shillings what two shillings wow what what a wage right like I'm pretty sure I can't even buy gas in California with that anymore. <laughs> like, not even yeah. a gallon. Barely, maybe. Yeah. I know. I filled my truck up halfway. It was $70. Yeah. It's insanity. Yep. 
A few months later, on March 3rd, 1909, Alf and Daisy tied the knot, 18 months after the tragic death of her beloved fiancé. Daisy seemed to have found happiness again. According to their marriage contract, all their assets remained separate. Hmm. The newlyweds settled into Johannesburg suburb of Turfentine, an area that was not exactly known as the healthiest place to live, hmm. thanks to the slime dumps from the gold mines. Not before long, Alf began to experience strange back pains and stomach problems that just seemed not to go away no matter what. Uh-oh. It was like Alf and Daisy's life together was dodged by misfortune. In 1910, the couple's firstborns, prematurely born twins, died in infancy, <gasps> being too delicate to survive the world. Over the next seven years, the Cowleys lost two more children. A Sam named Lester lived just long enough to see his fourth birthday before suddenly dying on October 19, 1917, due oh to an gosh. abscess on his liver. Just some weeks after that, Lester's young brother, 15-month-old Eric, also passed away following violent convulsions and bowel trouble. Jeez. In the end, and yeah, just remember, like, back then also, it's very common for children to die. And side note, I've been watching House of Dragons. Have you watched that yet? I have. Okay, so spoiler alert, skip ahead, like, 10 seconds. But he keeps getting cut by the Iron Throne. And they don't know how to treat it. And he probably doesn't. They obviously, they don't have tetanus shots back then. So it was probably very common for people to die of, you know, the littlest things like getting cut. Yeah. And people still die like that today. Just like it's not as common. Plus, I mean, his only heir dies as well. Like literally right after birth. Right. So who knows if this is her hands or this is just really well, bad luck. You Google the story where apparently she didn't hurt kids. So I'm going to assume that these were natural. <laughs> right. All right. So only one of Daisy and Al's five children survived all the way to adulthood. Wow. Born on Sunday, June 11, 1911, Rose Cecil, who was named after the mining magnet and politician Cecil John Rhodes, became Daisy's pride and joy. The death of Rhodes' siblings didn't really rise concerns at the time. It wasn't uncommon for young children to die in infancy. Instead, people praised Daisy for being such a strong person and continuing her life despite loving her fiancé and four children. But when another tragedy struck the family just six years after Eric's death, there had to be people wondering how much misfortune one person can experience in a lifetime. Wait, who died this time? Throughout their whole marriage, Alf suffered from different health problems, and at the age of 50, mm -hmm. he wasn't doing well at all. Despite seeing several doctors over the years and undergoing surgeries for... Uh, how do I say that word? <laughs> Hemero hemorrhoids? I think it's just hemorrhoids. Yeah, and hemorrhoids. And yeah. Alf condition kept worsening. He couldn't sleep or eat properly due to constant stomach upset. The situation mm. got so bad that Daisy told some of her friends and neighbors she was worried about what would happen to Alf, fearing the worst. Daisy convinced her husband to make an appointment with yet another doctor in January 1928. That appointment, however, came too late. Uh -oh. Just a day before Alf was supposed to see Dr. Langton, he woke up with excruciating stomach cramps that prevented him from getting out of bed. 
Alf was sweating heavily, vomiting and coughing and screaming in pain. When the usual remedy, Epsom salts, proved ineffective, Daisy summoned a doctor. But before anybody could help Alf, he turned purple. Foam began to ooze from his mouth and his muscles convulsed uncontrollably. Within seconds, Daisy's husband was gone. Although Mercy Dr. Li- killer. What's that? Mercy killer. Mercy killer, yeah. I watch too much Criminal Minds. Isn't that what those people are called? That they're like nurses who like kill other people out of like they're they're like angels of mercy who think they're doing them good. Oh, yeah. Taking yeah. away their suffering. I think there's definitely some of those. But I think she had a different motive. Oh, okay. Although... Mind. Dr. Langton has some suspicions about the cause of death of his client. The autopsy concluded Alf had died of chronic neparitis and cerebral hemorrhage. So no foul play was suspected. Daisy was seemingly, seemingly heartbroken after losing the man with whom she had been for 14 years. 14 Alf's, years? Dang. Yeah. That seems long for now. I, I just made I've it to been... I just made it to four. <laughs> Considering <laughs> I've only been married three. That seems very long. <laughs> uh, Alf's death could have caused serious financial problems to his widow, but fortunately, he had left everything to Daisy in his will. The inheritance of 1,795 euros, which is 240,000 euros today. Dang. American money, that's like like 210,000 euros or $210,000. Much better than that $100 one from Bert. Yeah. Ensure Daisy and Rose could continue living quite comfortably. For the next three years, the mother and son remained alone. During that time, Daisy and Rhodes, once loving relationship began to fade thanks to teenagers' increasingly difficult nature. Daisy didn't enjoy being the only adult in the household and felt she needed a man's hand in dealing with her son. Luckily for her, Daisy eventually met another plumber. She finds plumbers very sexy. What the heck? Where do these people find men? Like, <laughs> just like I mean, you know, I'm like, sorry. It was, I'm not going on plumber.net and swiping right. I'm no, sorry. Not plumber.net, <laughs> but just like the sheer amount of not even that. Like there was that story you did about you know the cult leader. I forget her name now. Who's still alive? And they yeah. just like blabbed on a radio show and got all these followers. And we were like bitching about how we can't get Instagram followers. <laughs> Right. And I'm just like, I don't understand. I don't understand where they find followers or lovers or like. Well, like, remember Belle? She posted ads in newspapers. I mean, I know. But can you imagine (laughs) if I posted like no one, A, no one would read a newspaper nowadays. Like, you can put a Craigslist ad. There's definitely Craigslist lover ads. That is how you find a serial killer to come kill you. (laughs) Looking for a man to come take care of me. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, baby, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you for good. Yeah. Uh, so eventually she met another plumber, a 46-year-old man named Robert Bob. We're going to call him. Barat, who she married on July 1st, 1926. However, the marriage didn't exactly make things easier with Rhodes, as Daisy's new husband and her son pretty much hated each other. 
Bob saw his stepson as a spoiled brat and Rhodes didn't want to share his mother with another man. On top of that, Bob soon began to suffer from poor health, just like Alf before him. Ugh. Bob was trying to suspect the son at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Bob was constantly vomiting, convulsing, and experiencing severe pain. During the peak of his illness, Daisy convinced her husband to sign a will that would leave everything to her just in case. This time, Uh however, Bob recovered, partly thanks to his wife who had acted as a nurse and a life continued as usual. But just as few weeks later on November 6, 1927, the mysterious illness returned in force. Bob had been relaxing and drinking a beer when he suddenly grabbed his stomach in agony and collapsed. Hmm. The convulsing man was carried to bed with the help of a neighbor while Daisy summoned a doctor. Dr. Malnick's conclusion was devastating. Bob has suffered a stroke and would die at any minute. When the doctor then left room to call his colleague, Bob took his last breath, his frantic wife at the bedside. For the second time, Daisy had become a widow. As Dr. Malnick signed the death certificate. Wait, isn't it the third? Bert, then Alf, and then this guy? Or was she not married to Bert? Oh, that was just her fiance. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, it is the third time. But yeah, second time a widow, third time losing a lover. Um, yeah, so Bob had his death certificate signed by Dr. Malnick. And it says that he died of cerebral, cerebral hemorrhage. No autopsy was performed, and Daisy quickly received her inheritance of over Wait, four... Wait, cerebral hemorrhaging is the same way Alf died, right? Mm, yep. Oh, I'm starting to see a pattern. I so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, she got her inheritance of 4,000 euro, plus a further 560 euro paid by his pension fund. Whoa, so not only did she... Was she a widow for a second time she made more money every single time someone she right. loved passed 100 100 euros then a thousand something euros and now four thousand something euros right following bob's death daisy and rose set off on a cruise to europe she also brought a motorbike for her son who still was unable to earn his own money Rhodes had failed to graduate from plumbing school and was drifting from, which is funny that her son was going to be a plumber also. <laughs> Just like, give up the profession. Maybe this is a sign that plumbers die a bad death. Right. Uh, which I'm guessing she forced, like, pushed for him to be in plumbing school. But that's not a good sign. So he failed and was drifting from one menial job to another. As time passed and the inheritance was slowly running out, money began to cause fights between the mother and son. The situation got slightly better after Rose got a job as a mechanic for the government of Swaziland. Nothing was enough to prevent the coming disaster. Swaziland. I don't know how to say that either. I'm great. If you ever no want me idea. to pronounce something, just come to me. <laughs> Swaziland. On January 21st, 1931, Daisy married for the third time. She seemed to have a type as her new husband, Sidney Clearance oh D. Melker, was also a plumber. A plumber. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Rhodes want to be a plumber again? <laughs> right? Just like her two previous husbands, Sidney was everything Daisy had dreamed of. 
loving and devoted man with a reliable source of income and good health. It seemed like after all the misfortune in her life, Daisy was finally in a good place. Mm-hmm. However, there was something she was still worried about. Her son, Rhodes. The 20 year old was reportedly. She's causing- a, he's finally a plumber, isn't he? She's worried that he's going to die now. <laughs> right. I mean, if I was Rhodes, I would just be like, I would see these red flags, I feel like. But I don't know. That's your own parent. So. I would at least right. see it with plumbing. Like, that's a profession I would stay far away from. I'd be like, so fuck r- plumbing. I'll be a cop. Right. <laughs> um, a cop at this point is safer than being a plumber. <laughs> yeah. Electrician or. Yeah, he's going to be a mechanic now, so. Rhodes is now 20 years old, and he was reportedly causing troubles at his workplace, even getting into physical fights with his coworkers. And whenever he visited home, Rhodes argued with Sid and Daisy's stepdaughter, Eileen. On top of that, Rhodes, who had suffered from epilepsy as a child, had been complaining about strange stomach cramps, vomiting, and diarrhea for for a while, causing his mother to fear history was repeating itself. Soon, those fears were realized. <gasps> she killed her own son. On March I thought this. Two, I thought she wasn't a ki- child killer. Well, he's twenty. Google lied to you. <laughs> well, he's a twenty. He's twenty, and this was Facebook um, form. On March, fact two, check your fact check your forms. Facebook fact check them better. <laughs> he's twenty. He's not a child. Her child, but he's not a child anymore. On March 2, 1932, Rhodes drank coffee from a thermos flask when one of his coworkers, after which both became violently ill. The difference was that the coworker, James Webster, recovered within a few days, but Rose's condition only worsened, worsened. Soon, he was lying in bed in the family home, convulsing just like his father so many years earlier. Oh, it looks like someone took the wrong coffee pot. With Daisy never leaving his bedside, several doctors were summoned, but none seemed to be able to help Rhodes, who eventually slipped into coma on Saturday, March 5th, and never woke up again. This time, an autopsy was performed, and the cause of death was given as, was given as cerebral malaria. Less than a month after her son's death, Daisy received a check for 100, 100 euros from the African Life Insurance Company. It offered little consolidation within 25 years daisy had lost not just her fiance and two husbands but also only surviving son people were feeling really bad for daisy d milker there is only so much pain one person could take however there was only one person who didn't have sympathy for daisy her second husband's brother william Sparat. oh someone's on to her game someone's on to her dirty game very much so. William's suspicions had been raised for the first time when Daisy had convinced him to talk with Robert about altering his will five years earlier. William could have gone to the police the moment his brother died a month later, but as Robert's death was said to be from natural causes, he decided to wait and keep an eye on Daisy. Needless to say, immediately after hearing the news about Rhodes passing away, William took his suspicions to the authorities. The conditions surrounding the death of the three men were too similar to ignore, and so on. April 15, 1932, the police obtained a court order permitting them to exhume the bodies. Whoa. Once and for, 
mm-hmm. so far ahead of his time, this William Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Well, also, like, why is it the brother being the detective and not actually the detectives? Like, oh, this is a little too um, familiar. Well, I mean, it is the like early the insurance 1900s. companies, even even the insurance companies who you would they find any reason not to give you money. Like, oh, okay, well, you've had two husbands die the same way. Like, yeah, but you know, you. like these people get life insurance company from like multiple vendors. I learned this in like a new documentary I watched. Um, it was called like. It's the one where people kill people in national parks and then it becomes a federal case. I forget the name now. Anyways, they were saying that there was one case where this guy's wife, like there were multiple wives that died of quote unquote accidents. Um, And uh, they were saying that he had insurances from like multiple insurance companies on them over time. But the insurance companies don't communicate with each other. And so they don't really know what, like, another insurance company is paying out. So no one really knows the total. So it doesn't seem fishy. That That is, like, in 2000s. If this is the 1900s, then I'm assuming they were not nearly, like, as sophisticated. Plus everything was probably over letter and... Yeah. Yeah. So they exhume the bodies. Once a forensic pathologist says Rhodes' bodies, saw Rhodes' bodies, they immediately knew something was not right. The young man's remains were in an unusually good state of preservation, indicating he may have consumed a specific substance prior to his death. Quinine. Not quinine. Oh, dang it. Bad guess. Uh, where am I? The test results eventually came back, confirming all three men had not died of terrible illness after all. Instead, Alf, Bob, and Rhodes had been poisoned with strychnine or arsenic. And there was only one Ooh. person who was linked to all three deaths. <gasps> and I still wonder about Brett, but here we are. Why, why did she kill her own son? Was she meaning to kill... Um the new dude no i think she meant to kill him <gasps> is that see that's why she was pushing him into plumbing wasn't she i think he was being a little shit and she was like i'm tired of your shit so i'm gonna kill you instead okay. of being a normal parent i like, don't care if that's not like a child but that was her child that's right. just awful yeah and her only son like that's us with our sons like it's unimaginable N- only son after having like four like still Lost. like either stillborns or miscarriages like that's crazy yeah yeah very crazy and there was only one person who was linked to all three deaths a week later daisy d melker was arrested and charged with the murder of her two late husbands and son the case quickly garnered media attention and daisy's photographer was published in the newspapers soon i meant i don't know why i said photographer photograph <laughs> Like, I'm, <laughs> I didn't even and I'm like three, I'm three coronas deep. Soon, a turpentine chemist, Mr. Abraham Spickling, came forward stating he had sold arsenic to this woman shortly before Rhodes' death. And so, I had heard, I don't think I added it to my notes, but he had sold arsenic to her because she was like, My cat is really sick. And it's old, and I just want to put it out of his misery. So then he's like, okay, here's this, which I guess was normal back then, instead of taking it to the vet and putting it down. 
And so she, I'm, I'm shaking my putting head. Putting her if you cat down, she gave it to somebody else. I don't even know if she has a cat. On Monday, October 17th, the trial opened in Johannesburg High Court after Daisy had opted for a trial by judge and two accessories. At this point, a jury trial wasn't really an option. Thanks what the, the pub- F? This was available as an option in the early 1900s? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm mind blown. That is amazing slash. Yeah, it's just amazing, honestly. <laughs> Thanks to the public's opinion on Daisy, still not any point during the 40 days at court did Daisy seem worried. She even told Sid that even an idiot could tell that no court in the world could find her guilty. There just was not enough evidence, or so Daisy thought. In the end, the Crown couldn't prove conclusively that William Cowell and Robert Sporat had died of strict poisoning and the remains were largely decomposed but there was no doubt that rose was poisoned with arsenic the investigators had found traces of arsenic not just in his body but also in the coffee flask and the hair and the fingernails of his co-worker james webster while nobody could really say for sure why daisy had wanted to get rid of her son she had been the only one who prepared the coffee and she had bought arsenic under a fake name shortly before Perhaps Daisley had been frustrated with her lazy and pampered son, who had become a menace in the house, and because she had successfully done it at least twice before. Daisy saw poisoning her son as an excellent solution to the problem. Whatever the real motive was, Daisy has sealed her own fate by killing her son. On Friday, November 25, 1932, Justice Greenberg gave his verdict, saying, and I quote, quote, Daisy Luzia D. Melker. I find you guilty of poisoning your son, Rhodes Cecil Cowley, which had caused his death. You'll be taken from here to a place of execution where you'll hang by the neck until you are dead. And may God have mercy on your soul. End quote. No, so. I don't wish. I wish that they, he didn't have mercy on her soul. That's awful. Mm-hmm. At that moment, all the confidence Daisy had in the courtroom vanished and her face went pale. After all three years of getting away with it, she was finally going to face the consequences as one of South Africa's first female serial killers. Dang! If I was the husband, I'd be celebrating. What husband? They're all dead. Wait, the third one died too? Oh, wait. Which one? The third one. The one she married after Sparrow. Oh, yeah. I think he um, swears her innocence to this day. Oh, what an idiot. Daisy D. Well, not to this day, but he swore up to his day he died. (laughs) (laughs) How did he die? Cerebral hemorrhaging. (laughs) Daisy D. Melker was executed by hanging at Pretoria Central Prison on December 30th, 1932. Until the very end, she maintained her innocence, and so did her third husband, Sid, who never believed her... his late wife could have committed such horrible crimes. But while do we know that Daisy was responsible at least of her son's death and most likely killed her two husbands for their money, the other deaths remain a mystery. Did Brett Fuller really die of blackwater fever? And did Daisy lose three children because of terrible misfortune? Or could it be her actual number of victims was much higher? Another possibility, of course, is the early tragedies in Daisy's life led to her murderous actions. 
Only one thing is for sure. All the answers to these questions were lost forever the moment Daisy D. Melker stepped on the gallows. And that is my story today. My bitch. (laughs) (laughs) She did. Yep. They got things done fast there. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't a fast story because clearly spanned like decades, but wow. I mean, they were ahead of their, their times, those South Africans. Yeah. Trial by judge only. Check. Did like somehow manage to do drug testing and exhumed bodies. Check. Good with evidence. Check. I mean, execution was very fast. Yeah. Great. I mean. I'm a fan, South Africa. I'm a fan. I don't know if this is what your justice system looks like today. So she went to court April 15, 1932 and was hung December 30th, the same year. Wow. Six years. It takes so long to get a death penalty here. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, there's some people that are for sure guilty. There's some people on death row who aren't guilty. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm just saying that as a plain fact. Like, it takes a very long time. So long that prosecution will sometimes give up the idea of Or, like, the laws will change (laughs) and people who are on death row, like, will no longer have to be put to death because the laws have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, that was our story of the serial killer, Daisy D. Melker, and her obsession with plumbers. (laughs) And arsenic, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, anyways, I guess we'll see you next week with the drink in hand. Don't let the murder thoughts bite. Bye. Good night.